Good morning, church. Welcome, welcome. If you are a visitor with us, uh, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, If you are a visitor with us, welcome. We are so thankful you're... Yeah, kiddos, you can head out. They're all kind of going, now? Now? They're waiting for Jordan to lead the way. The Pied Piper of all the children. If you're a visitor with us, we are so thankful that you are here. Uh, You mean a lot to us. Uh, There's a little tear out on the bulletin. If you just rip that off and fill it out, you can throw it in. There's a mailbox to the left of our main entrance. We'd love to know you were here to welcome you, to say thank you. Uh, You you do mean a lot to us in the fact that you'd be willing to come out on a Sunday morning and join us and sacrifice. So thank you for being here. Um, We are in a series uh, that... Uh, started with Scott speaking about love out of Romans. We jumped out of Romans for three weeks. Um, last week, we talked a little bit about loving God. And, and usually I do a recap when we're in a series, uh, but the music did it. I hope that you don't just sing the words and not actually think about them. Uh, the words that, that we sang today during worship really drove home what we talked about last week when we started this message about loving God and loving others, when we started this message about John's observance of the things going on around him with Jesus, uh, when we looked at that you cannot possibly stand in the presence of Jesus without being transformed. That was our main point last week. Uh, Our main point was being in the presence of Jesus will transform you. And the music that we hit on today, I hope for you, reminded you of that. Because you can't help but be transformed. We saw that with John. He was this amazing person of zeal and energy as a young man. Uh, Jesus called him the son of thunder with his brother. But then we saw as he was in the presence of Jesus, how his transformation became complete and he became a man of love. And we talked a little bit about how we should do that, how, how if we are truly in the presence of Jesus, if we truly stand with him, if we truly believe the things that we just sang, that we couldn't help but be different people. That Jesus wants to show off through you by changing you. So this week we're going to continue that thought. We're going to continue that moving forward as we talk about the second half of that scripture out of Matthew, the scripture that that John would have sat in the presence of and heard and been changed by, the second half of loving others. And then finally, next week, as we kind of finish up this this, uh, series uh, on love, you're going to get to hear about that transformation and what that means when we take it and we share that with others. What it looks like living out the love of Jesus. So I want to get right into it. I want to share a little bit. Last week I talked about the verse out of Matthew 22 being really a combination of two verses, one out of Deuteronomy and one out of Leviticus. Let me read those for you. So the first one is out of Deuteronomy 6. It's it's called the Shema uh, among Israelites. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And so that scripture then continues to go on and say, okay, that truth of loving God needs to be lived out in everything you do. You're walking, you're sleeping, you're sitting down to eat dinner. And the second part of the verse that Jesus was using for Matthew 22 
comes out of Leviticus 19, verse 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbors as yourself. And I love this next part. It's an exclamation point. It's to drive home the reverence of the scripture. It's to show its truth and validity. And it says, I am the Lord. And, and there's something about scripture that I hope, this is, this is a freebie, this is a tangent a little bit. I hope there's a power in scripture that moves you to hear the truth. And in some traditions, uh, they will stand when they read scripture. And I don't want to lose that today. So I'm going to read the Matthew 22 scripture that we started with last week. Could you please stand? This is Jesus combining those two scriptures when he's asked by uh, the young guy who wants to test him to find out what is the most important thing. And Jesus' response was this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. Amen. You guys can sit down. There's a power in that scripture because Jesus is taking something that was asked of him and making it very simple. We talked about that last week, how simple this truth really is. But I want you to hear how powerful and reverent it is. You see, this young man was asking Jesus, he was asking Jesus because he is the guy who's been going around doing these amazing things. He's been healing people, he's feeding people, he's doing incredible work sharing incredible information about the kingdom. And this guy, whether he was testing Jesus or he legitimately wanted to know, he wanted to know how it was focused down to be the most simple. And he said, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And this is what I love about Jesus. If you don't think that, that God has a sense of humor, one, you haven't looked in the mirror lately. But secondly, um, <clears throat> I think that Jesus, in, there's, there's this power in his irony sometimes. And there's a power in the fact that, oh, bless your heart, you're so cute. You think there's only one commandment. See, Jesus gives him two because he's Jesus and he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> we don't hem him in. And Jesus looks, oh, gosh, you're asking this question because, one, you don't have a true understanding. You see, there are 613 laws, commandments, that this guy was really asking about. And Jesus, in his infinite wisdom and humor, laughed a little bit and said, oh, you think you can keep all those? You can't. 613. As a kid, well, heck now, I can't keep five, let alone 613 rules. Those of us who have kids know that ain't happening. You look at Exodus, there's 10 commandments. I can go eat through all of them, and we have broken most of them. 613, this guy just whether he was frustrated at the fact that it, there had to be a simpler way or he was testing Jesus. Either way, Jesus said, oh, let me help you. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And the thing that blew my mind in this, and I, I hope it has some of the same impact and effect on you, is the fact that Jesus, after saying, love the Lord, love me first, 
But then he says, the second is like it. Old, dead, smart guys have written about this, and some disagree, but a good portion of them say, Jesus was saying to these people that it's not a number two rule after loving God. At some level, it's almost as important. Wait a minute, loving my neighbor is as important as loving my God? Amen, yes. He didn't want them to miss this. And here's the world that John lives in. John, the son of thunder, all this zeal, all this energy, had probably tried his best to live those 613 rules. He had them memorized. Couldn't be a Torianic Jew. That Torah is the rules. You couldn't be a Torianic Jew without making an effort to memorize those rules. Is now sitting in the presence of Jesus, watching him love, and then being told, what I have for Jesus, the love that I have for my Creator, my Lord, is as important as loving the people around me. And John Because John loves this topic, remember we talked about John being probably the youngest disciple to follow Jesus, and then more than likely was the oldest disciple living. He lived a life in the presence of Jesus, was transformed completely. He was the leader of a very large church in Ephesus. Because he grew and matured in his wisdom, he saw more than likely. Remember we we talked about the woman caught in adultery. The thing that he wrote down was the fact that Jesus took the eyes off of her by writing in the dirt. He saw the love. And now he's going to hang his hat on this. All right, Jesus said these are the most important two. Let's do it. Let's do this. But there's so much more. You see, John, again, writes certain things that no one else writes in Scripture because he sees this love He sees Jesus talk about it. And Jesus goes on in John 13 and says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. First, I want to, again, sense a humor moment. What do you mean a new commandment? This isn't new. I just told you that that scripture came out of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. That stuff is old. Real old, even to these people in this time. But Jesus again is going, oh, you guys are so cute. Bless your souls, bless your heart. You haven't got it yet. You still think love is just a feeling. No. Love is action. Love is sacrificial. You see, Jesus was saying the new commandment I'm giving you is to be in modeled, exampled after you recognize what I'm about to do for you. No greater love than this, than that a friend would lay down his life for another friend. Jesus is getting ready to blow up their world by saying this new commandment, yeah, I know, it's not really new, but what you're about to experience has never been done before. I'm about to die for you And now I'm going to ask you to be that sacrificial for those around you. And here's the thing. He didn't qualify this new love and the ability to do it by saying you got to get your stuff together first. 
He didn't say, all right, I need you to be 100% perfectly good, no sin, nothing. He said, first, I'm going to die for you while you're a sinner. And then I'm going to expect you to love others while you're still, learn, still learning how to do this. Our, sacrifice doesn't our sacrificial love for others doesn't necessarily revolve around us having it all together. But Scripture doesn't stop there. Scripture has a lot to say about love. There's another great passage of love in Scripture. Now hold on, before you open your Bible and you start flipping to 1 Corinthians 13, going, I heard about this at a wedding. I'm going to go right there and beat Sean to 1 Corinthians 13. That's not where we're going. Paul has a lot to say about love. Don't get me wrong. Smart dude. 1 Corinthians 13, you've heard it multiple times at weddings, and I always laugh because it isn't always the greatest context for a wedding. But John, he's a pro when it comes to love. So we're, our main scripture is going to be out of 1 John chapter 2. You can flip there uh, almost to the end of your Bible. If you have it on your phone, it's even easier to find. But while you're flipping there, let me give you a little glimpse of what's going on here. First, love one another is in Scripture in ESV 13 times. 13 times that term is used, and out of the 13, three, uh, only three are not found in the writings of John. Out of the 10 that John wrote about, three are direct quotes of Jesus saying it. So it's him recording history. Jesus said to do this. Okay? The other seven are John moving beyond the love one another as just knowledge or history and then putting it into action. And he's saying it oftentimes to a church that he leads. In his, in his older age, he's leading this church in Ephesus. And this is a great moment in time because I want you to hear this because some of you are probably thinking last week, well, he was transformed from son of thunder to the apostle, the man of love. Did he take any of that thunder with him? Oh, yeah. You see, John, in the books of John, in his letters, he is combating a really harsh reality in the church. See, a group of people in the church had decided to leave the church, and they were coming back to try to pull people away with lies. One of the lies was that Jesus is not divine. The inverse of that, another lie, was Jesus is not fully human. And one other kind of thing that we see woven through the letters of John is that these people are also saying, you, you aren't worthy, you don't deserve to be in the presence of Jesus. And that riled John up. Some of that son of thunder came out. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to show my age a little bit. And it's still true today because it still exists. But before I knew Jesus, okay, before I came to know the Savior, uh, my Sundays revolved around wrestling. And some of you are going, oh, I remember those days. When it was the WWF, how many of you remember when it wasn't the WWE? It was the W. Some of you are going, what is Sean talking about? Sean's going to get himself in trouble again. Um, <clears throat> But I grew up watching Hulkamania and Rand, Macho Man Randy Savage and Roddy Roddy Piper. These, these wrestlers, they had these incredibly ridiculous outfits. Some of them weren't much of an outfit, but just a Speedo and a headband. But still, I, I remember those days. And I, this is one of those moments that my mind works, and it's just who I am. And when I, when I got to this scripture and I pictured John 
uh, getting riled up about this. I'm going to be, this is where the son of thunder is going to come. Remember last week, he was going to call down fire for Jesus, this passion. He didn't lose that. He tempered it in love. And in my mind, I'm thinking this again. I, I even sketched it out a little bit in my notebook. It's ridiculous. But him putting on his wrestling outfit and coming to the, the ring and going, I'm going to lay some smack down on you people. This is truth right now. But I'm sure it wasn't at all like that. (laughs) It was much more loving because of what we see here happening. So let's look at it in uh, 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 2. Picture John being this fatherly, wise man, but still with the zeal for truth, protecting his people, getting them from point A to point B, teaching them something powerful. He is the propitiation for our sins. That, that big word just means atonement. He, he is the payment for our sins. This is Jesus. He is the payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have, to come to know, we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. I want to pause there, because here's the deal. I think Jesus has so impacted John in the truth of what we read in Matthew 22, that he was probably going, okay, what commandments? And I have a feeling that John, and like me, I kind of interpret it the same way, was saying, love God, love people. Here's the deal. Jesus said a lot of things. He told us to do a lot of things. But if you go back into Scripture and you find everywhere that Jesus commanded us to do something, you can tie it to love God and love people. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Love God. Love people. And I think when John was thinking about this, when he said, if you keep these commandments, I don't think he was thinking of 613 rules. I think he was thinking of how do I love God, how do I love Jesus, and how do I love people? And he goes on. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God, see this is where John goes every time, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment. Nothing new here. You knew this. I told you about this. So much so that when I got written about in the the gospel, it always said the one whom Jesus loved. Love, love, love. But an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. John was saying, listen, we're getting battered by all this outside stuff. You're starting to hear people say, you've got to do this, do this, do this. A lot of hoops to jump through to finally... Be in Jesus' presence. (coughs) But I'm saying to you, it's very simple because I sat with Jesus when he told me how simple it was. 
Abide in him. Love him. Remain in him. And then love those around you. So if we were to break it down, uh, and, and I wouldn't, wouldn't have listened to any of my professors when they were teaching me how to give a message without putting them into points, the first one is this. Our keeping of his commandment makes clear our eternal position with him. Our keeping his commandment of loving God and loving others puts an identity card in our hands that says, you are his forever. That's what the word abide means. Remain, stay. This is who you really are. This is your identity. It's not Sean Holman, you know, married to Charlene, father of Ariana Braden and Chesson, pastor at uh, Freshwater Community Church. That's not my identity. My identity card is saved by Jesus, follower of his. And when we remain in love, when we love him well, and then we do the things that John wants us to do next, which is love others, we have put that billboard out for everyone to see. That's who you are. And it's not just today, it's eternal. You see, God is perfecting his love in us. Remain in him and he will continue to make that grow. That identity card becomes everything that you are. You walk that way. You talk that way. He is redeeming in us by our showing of love for God and for others the broken relationship that happened at the beginning. 1 John 3.8 says it this way, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And what was the works of the devil? He broke the relationship between us and God. He broke the love God part, which in turn broke the love others part. And Jesus came and said, listen, I'm fixing that and giving you the identity that you should have had if we would have stayed in the garden. If you wouldn't have sinned, if you wouldn't have broken this, I'm going to redeem that. And that is your identity. This loving one another is an outward sign of our salvation. I love baptism. I'm going to go a step further. Again, might get myself in trouble a little bit here. And and I'm pointing at the floor because if you're new with us, this is where our baptistry is. This is where we do baptisms. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. We say that every time we do baptisms here. Very important, but here's the deal. One time, you may have videotaped it, one time it happens here for the people in here. Love one another happens all the time. It's an outward sign of who you are all the time. This is a testimony of your salvation. This is an outward sign of that change. Loving one another is then working backwards saying, hey, I was baptized because I believed and now I love you. It all comes together. That's who I am. It's an outward sign of this incredible inward change, the transformation that being in the presence of the Lord gives us. The next thing that John tells us in that section of Scripture, uh, which is just as amazing, it's this. Loving one another betters our faith home life. We have this conversation with our kids all the time. It is better to goof up here while you're still under the umbrella of our parenting than to do it out there when you're on your own. We as parents have all probably had that conversation at some level going, listen, if you learn how to use your money here and mess up, you're still going to have a dinner at the end of the day. You do that out there, you may not. 
if you learn how to be human beings here, then you'll be better human beings out there. Because as you're learning here, whether you like it or not, at the end of the day, mom and dad are still going to love you and protect you. The same is true when we love others here first, folks. You see, John was talking to believers. He wasn't talking to a, a group out there that didn't know Jesus. He was talking to those who already knew the Lord. And he's saying to them, listen, you need to love your brothers and sisters here first. It's safer here first. You, you should, and, and this, is, this is a soapbox for me, you should feel safe in this space to make mistakes. You should feel the grace of folks when you goof up. It should be safer here, and the same should be true when we love one another. Look again at verse two, verse nine, or chapter uh, two, verse nine. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. You see, for us, folks, this idea of loving one another starts at home. Now, some of you may be saying, wow, that is some strong language. Hate is a harsh word. I, I must be doing all right because I don't hate no one in here. In, in, in our limited definition, you're probably right. But let's look a little bit, and this is, this is getting a little, you know, pastory, I think, uh, digging into some Greek here. But the word here means this, disregard, disrespect, detest, this one might be the harsh one, or dismiss as unimportant. That's what that word means there. And full disclosure, I've made those mistakes in this space. My hope is that as we learn at home that when we make those mistakes, we're greeted with grace, that we're greeted with, with God-like, Christ-like correction. Sometimes it doesn't happen. And here's the sad thing is as you look around and you, if you were to ask those who don't know Jesus why they don't go to church, they don't want to be Christians, oftentimes the answer is, why would I want to be like people like that who can't even get along amongst themselves? I'll stay out here where I'm not going to put on any fakeness and not like people and be mean to people all the time. But why would I go into an environment where I see it happening all the time? Now, that's a commentary on the church at large. At large. That's not just us. Uh, and, and honestly, it, it really isn't one of the indicators of fresh water. But if we don't do it well here, there's no way we're going to do it well out there. You see, people come in here all the time looking for love, looking for someone to give them a glimpse of what they then should love, which is Jesus. And sometimes we miss them. We have hoods, so if you're new with us, you're sitting in a hood, you don't know that yet, uh, but you're sitting where someone, because we're creatures of habit, you're sitting where someone always sits. And our responsibility as a church is to love and care for our hood. So hopefully they did that when you got here, but now this is conviction. If they didn't, they have a chance at the end. But everyone who comes through that door, whether they've been here multiple times or they're here brand new, 
needs to be in that love. Like it. Love God. Love others. Let's do it at home. So, so who should we love? And, and you may be thinking, well, it's only the visitors and, and, and it's only the people that I recognize as they come in that might be hurting. It's only the people who don't know Jesus. And here's the deal. That's not implied here. John is speaking to believers. But he's making an all-encompassing statement. And he doesn't do it just here. John 3.16, for God loved the whole world. 1 John 2, 2, he is the atoning sacrifice. We already read this for our sins and not only for ours, but the whole world. You see, we need to be loving the things, the what's and the who's that God loves. 1 John 4, 11, 13, 4, 11 through 13, 12 says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God If we love one another, God abides us and his love is perfected in us. Love what and who God loves and our will love will show him to those around us. Love what and who God loves and people will see him. You may be the only picture of Jesus to those around you. You may be the picture of Jesus when you walk through those doors for someone who had a horrific week. And John doesn't qualify this as a well-polished evangelism gospel presentation. He doesn't say it's a tract that you hand to someone. He says, your life, loving God and loving others, will show Jesus. It will be a testimony, it will be a truth in their life. It's not just to the people that you've decided to, to make a list of, go, I'm going to share Jesus with these three people. It's not just the people that you said, this is who I'm going to invite to Alpha. It is the person that you interact with across the counter at Panera. It is the person that you work with on a daily basis. It is the person you are parked beside at a stoplight. Now, that one might be hard. but it is a glimpse of who Jesus is. Loving God and loving others is gospel worked out every day. Folks, I I think that if you truly understand where we started with Scott, with this idea of agape, unconditional love, if you get to a point where you're like, I got to love God and be in the presence of Jesus because that's going to transform me. And then you start living out, not the feeling of love, the act of love with those around you. People will recognize it and be changed. Scripture is riddled with these. You see one, when, when Jesus is interacting with the demons, those who are in the presence of Jesus know him. The demons say, go away. The religious leaders, when they were in the presence of Jesus, they were jealous The disciples, when they were in the presence of Jesus, fell on their faces at the cross. The Roman guard witnessed Jesus' death and said, truly, this is the Son of God. You have an opportunity 
and I get it. At, at, at probably a smaller level, but still an honor, privilege, and commandment to do that with others by loving them, by showing that you love God and that you love them. Like I said, this is better than, than any other way you've learned how to share your faith. This is better medicine than anything that you've ever been given with those around you and you're sitting in here. Loving God and loving others, these two commandments, all of the law, all of the law, 613 and even beyond, and all the prophets, all those guys who God chose to tell people about the truth of God's kingdom, all of those rely on love God and love others. Andy Stanley says it this way. He's a pastor at a huge church down in Atlanta. Following Jesus would not be about looking for ways to get closer to God who dwelled out there, up there, somewhere. Okay, he's basically saying it wouldn't be about any of that. Jesus' followers would demonstrate their devotion to God by putting the person next to them in front of them. Jesus' followers weren't expected to look up. They authenticated their devotion by looking around. Guys, hear me. I'm the pastor of discipleship. It's my job to make sure that you guys have opportunities to get into scripture and, and learn important truths and, and knowledge and, and be able to, to even learn the basics of prayer and, and getting in the word. But hear me on this. If you are going to become an expert at anything, it's loving Jesus and loving others. I fail in my job. We fail in our jobs if we don't get you to a place where you want to be in the presence of Christ to become more Christ-like because you love him more deeply so that that Christ-likeness then goes out there around you as you love others. John thought it was pretty simple. I think it's pretty simple. I encourage you not to take my word for it. Dig into the scripture, you're going to see it at every turn. <laughs> every turn. Loving others because you love God. Now, because I have the bully pulpit, and because it is my job for discipleship, we do at our church offer opportunities for you to be in relationship with others so you can learn how to love God more and learn how to love others more. Lots of things happen. They're in your bulletins every week. They're on our website. One of the things that's going to be coming up that you will hear more about in August but starting next week, we will have a kiosk out there. I won't be here. I get the incredible opportunity of having an intern this summer. Uh, and my intern and I are going to be going to another church so he can preach, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. So if you think about it, pray for Logan. He's going to be preaching next week uh, at a little country church uh, out in Creston. Um, but I won't be here, but there will be a kiosk out there with cards on it. These cards are for you to fill out if you are interested in getting into one of our community groups. Our community groups are made up about 8 to 12 folks who meet off campus. They do a couple things. One, they learn how to love God more by growing in their relationship with him. They learn how to love each other by growing in their relationship with each other. They care for each other. Because when you get this big, it's hard for a staff our size to care for everything that you guys have going on. And we have purposely built this system for you to be loved on by those around you and for you to love on those around you. 
And the final piece of that is serve. We want you to serve. We want you then to take the love that you have for your brothers and your sisters in-house and get out and love others out there. Those will be forming over the last part of July here and through August. We try to get everybody placed by the first or second week of September. Uh, So make sure you grab one of those cards, fill it out. There's a front and a back. You can put it in the offering. You can put it in our mailbox that's out here to the side of the door. We'd love for everyone, we would love for everyone to be in a group where they can do these things. It's exciting. Ask anybody. You'll get to hear some stories in a couple weeks. Would love for you to be a part of that. I also, I don't usually do this, but after a message like this, I hope that someone will hear the call. With the growth of our community group ministry, we have also needed more leaders. I need some folks who'd be willing to go through a quick training, who, who love the Lord and love others. You do not need to be an expert in the Bible. I want you to be working on being an expert in loving God and loving people. If you're interested in, in leading and hosting a community group at your house with a partner couple, let me know. Email me, call me, catch me, please. Um, we need help. We need more folks to help shepherd folks in those community groups. And then finally, because loving also is laughing and having a great time and creating memories, I know that Scott already hit on this a little bit, but our church picnic is in two weeks. Okay, we, we're no longer going out to the lake. Uh, we heard that writing was on the wall. Uh, folks were getting uh, bored of sitting on the hill watching their kids swim. <laughs> and I get it. Um, so we're going to do it here. And it's going to kind of be an old-fashioned church picnic. Um, I recognize, <laughs> and I recognize this too. Christy will, Christy will yell at me tomorrow. Um, I recognize the registration system that we have sometimes can be a royal pain in the rear. Um, you get a code and that code doesn't work. It's happened to me twice this week. Um, if you are having a hard time registering for things, anything, but specifically the picnic, let us know. Um, I will have a sign-up sheet out there for the picnic next Sunday. Uh, we need you to sign up because I need to be able to split food up for the day. We're going to have smoked meats uh, that day, which is going to be a lot of great food, um, but we need you guys to bring either a cold dish of dessert or something crunchy. Uh, so I will be splitting that up equally among folks. Guys, don't miss this Sunday. We are going to have a lot of fun, okay? I promise you, you're going to laugh hard. You're going to get to know people around you. Bring a chair, bring a canopy. There's no end time to it, so you can come as long as you want, but don't miss it. We are going to have, and I'm saying that because I'm putting a lot of work into it, so don't miss it, Okay? I don't want to do all this and not have a bunch of people there. Thank you for those who have already signed up. But guys, it is an opportunity for us to be together, like John was talking to, the people he was talking to, and saying, hey, it's us. Let's learn how to love here so we can go out there, which you are going to get to hear about next week. Let me pray for us. Father God, I'm so thankful for this day. Thankful for your message of love. I'm thankful that you set on John's heart this this incredible focus on the message of love. Cause us to be experts at loving you and loving others. Allow us to do that here well first with those we know and those that we're getting to know. Allow us to hear the message next week of what that looks like acted out beyond these walls. Father, I'm thankful for your sacrifice first and foremost. Allow it to cause love in my heart for you 
at every turn. In your dear son's name, amen.